morning everyone welcome back this is esther again i hope you are well the lovely the amazing sammy joins us today hi sammy how are you doing hello i'm absolutely marvelous thank you and i'm very excited to be here with you well, i love having you here Hey, I was talking on Sammy's podcast yesterday and I really, really enjoyed it. I just want to say it's one of my favourite things I've done. So thank you for that. Oh, that's good. I love it. <laughs> well, we like to have fun. If it ain't fun, we don't do it. <laughs> yeah, that, yeah that, I, well, that's a great philosophy to live by. I love that. Ain't fun, I'm not doing it. Sorry, I don't like the idea of washing up, not doing it today. Not <laughs> <Exactly. fun. laughs> or you could make it fun. <laughs> yeah, that's one way of looking at it. <laughs> it's the ideas of water fights and pistols. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> if it gets it done. <laughs> uh, okay. Anyway, um, so not to the point. <laughs> okay uh, Sammy why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself and what do you do oh thank you well uh, I'm known as the brand builder I've been building brands since 2001 when I started my first business I've built nine of my own companies and supported over 65,000 entrepreneurs and business owners to build theirs and it's something that I live, breathe, eat, sleep, walk and talk. I just love brand. I think that it's just so powerful because you can have a brand without having a business, but you can't have or it's very difficult to build a business without a brand. And so I live, breathe, eat, sleep, walk and talk brand. I love it. It's just so exciting to me to see somebody go from having an idea to seeing it fully manifested in the world making its ripple creating its wave and uh, yeah so that's what I do but who I am is an adventure loving uh, boat living life <laughs> where we it. travel full time um, we've got eight children 15 grandchildren we've got three dogs and two cats on board like everything wow, for me that's busy, crazy, family right? yeah just family joy and doing things for others that give me joy that are also rewarded by being paid so that I can do more of those things and we do a lot of charity work and um, and it just yeah for me life is now about joy but it wasn't always that way and that's why it's so important to me now. I love that. I actually love that. And I I, I know when we first um, got together and talked, what impressed me so much about you, one of the reasons I wanted you were on, is you just seem to start another, you can't just say, oh, we just started another business. We just started another. <laughs> it, was, it was like, it was just like, breathing it wasn't like a big deal to you to start a business so what yeah. I wanted to know were you always that way did you always know you were going to be like entrepreneur being your own business striving changing the world or was <laughs> there a time you were employee and um say what a great of question of mine? Mm. no is the answer no um, okay no, I would say that um, I'd always I'd always tried to be a good follower is probably the best way of putting that. Um, mm. You know, I grew up an only child and never fit in anywhere. 
And um, I remember when my, um, I was very small, I was two and a half when my parents went their separate ways. My biological father, he walked out, left for another woman, classic story, um, and then tried to kidnap me so that he could get a house with his new girlfriend. And um, it didn't work because his new girlfriend on the day of what was going to be the abduction, he, um, he was all in for the plan and she had a crisis of of uh, conscience I think and she went to my mum's place of work and told my mum what was happening and what the plan was and my mum immediately dropped everything got me out of London where we were living at the time where I was born and um and we went out to Essex where my grandparents lived and that's where I grew up that's where I spent the next 19 years of my life growing up uh, with my grandma who's a very very spiritual woman and my granddad he used to work on the oil rig so he was always away so it was pretty much my grandma and I as I was growing so up your mom was working. With you. yeah she she was just working all the time so okay. because she was working to try and rebuild a life for us both but I, I think because she was working so much and so focused on the goal of earning money she she did what many people do is they focus on the money and they forget about the little person that's at home. And, you know, God bless her. My mum's amazing. I absolutely love my, I adore my mum. But that was one of the reasons why I made a commitment to start my own business and have control of my own life so that I had time for my kids so that I didn't do to them. It's a classic thing, isn't it? She, she wasn't, it wasn't like, um, it almost sounds like child abuse at this point, but no, no, she was I, I, doing exactly what she felt mean. was the my, right thing. Yeah, my mum was the same. She was very much consumed in her work. She was yeah. an artist. She was consumed in her work. She yeah. hardly noticed we were there. Yeah, we were just around. <laughs> yeah, and I think um, you know, like when you do the right thing, which is what she was doing. She was doing the right thing to get us a new home to put a roof over our heads but in doing so of course um you know I'd, I was then with my grandma and I remember um being at my grandparents house and looking over the wall and seeing all the kids go into school and I was only like three or four and I couldn't wait for my first day of school so that I would have some friends because it was very lonely and you know it was always just myself and my grandma and um and I loved it when I look back on those times. I'm so fond of those times. But what it did was it kind of made me a bit of a loner. So when I eventually did go to school, I was always the last one picked for the team. I was always the one that was on the outside of things. My first day of school, I remember I was five years old. And I'm like, you know, when you've got the, all of these things that you've never seen before, there's a playground, there's lots of children playing, you know, and I, I've always had like one friend at a time by that point. And, and there's all these kids and I go running over to this group of girls so excited and they're playing the skipping rope game and, you know, the one, two, three, one, two, three. I go diving over there. And just as I reached the group, this girl puts her hand in my face and she said, go away, fatso, you're too fat to play here. And that's the first time I was conscious of how much heavier I was than everybody else in the playground. And ultimately, my grandma, in her best, um, you know, love to me, because I was missing my mum, she replaced my mum with food. 
And so mm. if I wanted a bag of crisps, I could just go get one. If I wanted chocolate, I could just go get it. If I wanted sweets, she'd just get them for me. And so I was very heavy in comparison to all the other kids that were there but I hadn't realized that about my identity until that first day of school till I was surrounded by other people to start that comparison journey so now I feel even more isolated because I'm not like anybody else and right. I grow up in exactly that way so I never fitted in I did everything I could to fit in I was always a very good girl I was always over serving always over delivering you know very loyal still, you know I still am all of those things um but I was doing it to the detriment of myself and and again like as you get older you realize these things don't you but at the time like I did everything to fit in and I was a good employee and I was early for work and I was always the last one out of the office and I you know I was always that person and and it wasn't so what was the turning point because well, you sound like you're talking about me you absolutely <laughs> very very similar experience oh really um, well what was your turning point where was the point you went from okay i'm not going to do all of this i'm not going to yeah. i'm going to create a business i'm going to create my own life i'm going to not fall because that almost sounds like that's setting you up to follow the norm of yeah getting a job and, and i know <laughs> don't do that I know you live on the boat I know you travel I know I know you do all these things what aren't let's say the typical yeah. way of living and I yeah. mean I have cats and dogs and eight children and I did I was like wow I mean that's obviously very opposite to what you grow up and it's yeah. probably why <laughs> I imagine that you went that route but I'm still yeah. intrigued of what that moment was to, to go from one to the other do you know was it well, gradual? No, it wasn't gradual. It was like many things, but like with your own fabulous story, it's forced on you. I was yeah. working for a, a company that I absolutely adored and I would have done anything for that company. And um, I was leading, uh, I was brought, I was headhunted, um, brought into the company to create the design team and build the design department in that company, uh, an advertising and marketing business. Um, it was very successful. I loved my team, like everything was thriving. And then one day we're all marched into this big boardroom um, and we're told that, the company's going bust basically they'd been over trading so they'd been sending all of their sales team on first class travel and trying to make everything look so good but underneath financially it wasn't good and the business burned out and um, and I just was a devastated b this was three weeks before Christmas so we weren't getting paid <laughs> and contribution is a really big deal to me. I, I have always been somebody that likes to give more than I receive. So the thought of going into Christmas and not having any money to buy anybody presents, I think was the most devastating of everything. And I remember going home to my, this was my first husband, only been married twice it makes me sound like I've been married loads of times <laughs> with my first husband and I went back and he was just so unridiculously or ridiculously unsupportive and it was it was a real devastating blow and I remember my dad who has always worked for himself my um my mum remarried when I was 
about four and a half and he adopted me when I was 11 so we celebrate our adoption every year um, and he's my dad so even though I'm in contact with my biological father now I wasn't for the first 19 years but um but he's my dad right? yeah, so I've grown up with him and um and so uh, you know, it, it was it's, it's been such a beautiful upbringing. I'm so lucky that my mum met this amazing human being who became my father. And, um, you know, and, and and so it wasn't until I lost my job and I was talking to my dad and he said, just like, you know, for God's sake, Sammy, I've been waiting for this moment. You need to work for yourself. You're independent. You don't you don't fit in anywhere. So create something for yourself. And the thought terrified me. It absolutely scared me so much. Like the thought of creating a business and failing in that business. The anxiety was so debilitating. But I remember sitting on my friend's sofa, my friend Tim, um, who I'd met. Who, and he was working for a design company. And I'd been working for a design company. And we had that in common. And I remember um, sitting on the sofa in his lounge the same day that I was let go. In fact, he was the first person that I told before I even told my husband. And, um, and I remember him saying to me, Sammy, you're going to be super successful if you go and start a business of your own. I want to come and work for you. And I was like, really? And he said, yeah, I want to come and work for you. So when it's up and running, you come back to me. And I what just thought, did he oh, do? which what? What kind of work did he do? Oh, um, graphic designer. Okay. So he okay. was a creative graphic designer. And so was I, I was both yeah, of yeah, us yeah, working yeah. on branding. And, um, and so he worked for this big agency and I worked for this agency and we just had that in common. And, and because we had that in common, we were always talking about design. And so as yeah, soon yeah, as I yeah, lost so my job, I was like, what am yeah, I going to yeah. do? Like, is there a job at your company? And he's like, um, yes, but I don't want you to come and work at the company. I want you to start your own company. So now I've got my dad saying this to me. I've now got Tim saying this to me. And I thought, okay, well, maybe I could do it. And so I remember um, back in the day, this was back in 2002, I remember uh, Business Link used to be a, a governmental organization that used to help businesses to start up and get going. So I booked myself onto this Business Link course, knowing nothing about business whatsoever. And I'm sitting there waiting for the, the speaker to come up on stage. And as he walks on stage, he puts a slide up on the screen. And this slide said, individually we are one drop together we are the ocean and wow. I remember looking at that slide individually we're one drop together so uh, individual am I a one drop is he a one drop is she a one drop does that mean that we're if we're all individually one drop together we're the ocean so uh, together we're the ocean well what does that mean if we work together does that make things easier oh and I think the seminar I was at was on some like tax or accounting thing. I didn't hear a word the guy said for the rest of the, the, the session, but he must have thought I was his best student because I made loads of pages and pages of notes about what does it mean to be a one drop and what does it mean to be the ocean and what does it okay. mean to collaborate and so if we all collaborated, then we'd get where we want to go faster. Wow. So I'd like basically map out this whole philosophy I didn't tell anybody about. But I thought, OK, this is the way to run a business. 
So the first thing I did was start building partnerships and I started leaning into networking for the first time. I was freaking terrified pitching what I do. Like, you know, what if people um, reject me? What if I fail at this? What if I really publicly fail at this? You know, and then the fear of what if I get too busy and I get too successful? How can I possibly handle this on my own? Oh, hang on. Tim said that he wants to come and work for me. Okay. So it was like everything just fell into place and uh, I remember pulling up in Tim's car park and phoning him telling him come downstairs I need to talk to you he comes down the stairs I said I'm ready for you to come and work for me he went on to become my creative director and ultimately five businesses later we built five businesses in the time that he was working for me and I partnered with somebody else as well and so everything I did was partnerships I ended up with five business partnerships that were flourishing beautiful um until I stopped listening to my body I stopped listening to my heart and I'm a very creative person and so the turning point there was I'd now built these five businesses and all I was doing was feeding them I wasn't in my yeah. creativity anymore. I was employing people that were doing all the creative stuff. So I wasn't getting my needs met. And all, it just became like these businesses became, I can only describe them as like little chirping beaks that were saying, feed me, feed me. And so I became a salesperson and that's not ever anything I saw myself being, but now I'm having to go and pitch. I'm having to do all these things that were so away from what I got into life for. And I started to ignore little twinges that I was getting in my chest I started to ignore headaches that I was getting I started to ignore physical symptoms that ultimately unfortunately ended in four near miss heart attacks in three and a half months wow. I was only 38 and and the time I just I laid there and I thought what is the point of all this? You know, I've got these amazingly successful companies. We were going through the process of um, selling one of the businesses. We'd ended up um, buying out all of the business partners, bringing it back into one company. Tim was the operations director. He was managing everything there. Um, by that point, I'd started speaking because that was one of the fastest ways to get your word out there, get visibility and drive business into your business. So I'd become a speaker at that point and we were running workshops and events and we started to get uh, into other different things. And my heart just wasn't in it anymore. And my and it was letting me know and I was ignoring it. And I remember that fourth time I was laying in hospital thinking, what is all this for? Like if I died right now what would happen to my business partner? Well, he'd probably go and find another business partner. What would happen to all my staff? What would happen to Tim? He'd just go and find another job. What would happen? What, what if, what if, what if? And every single what if ended in they'll all be okay. And that was really one of the turning points in a very short period of time. Um, I had that thought. A friend of mine invited me to an event. At that event, they did a process where they say, if nothing changes, in five years from now and you don't change another thing you carry on with your life exactly as it is where will you be five years from now and I just thought oh my god like I'm gonna be really ill like if I'm already feeling this ill and I've just come out of hospital again oh. I don't know that I'm gonna be physically capable of doing what I'm still doing and then they ramp it up 10 years Christ oh, I'd probably be being looked after by someone and then the thought of being dependent on oh well hang on a minute and then he ramps it up to 20 years and I thought I'm going to be dead I'm not even going to be here hang on what is all this worth what is it all this for and I just realized that actually 
None of this is bringing me joy. All of the success that I've worked so hard to achieve at the ignorance of my health and my life, I didn't have a life. I was working 18 to 20 hours a day. I had all the things that money could buy, but no time to go and enjoy them. I just thought, this is not what I want. And so I went into the office the next day and said, I'm off. And um, and unfortunately, wow. what I hadn't taken into consideration was that my business partner said, whoa, whoa, hang on. You can't do that because I was coming in to tell you that I'm I'm going. And he, at the <laughs> same time, we'd had this, like, you know, epiphany. Oh, no. And so now so we're sat in the boardroom going, sell the business or? well, yes, ultimately we sold the business, but not in the way you might expect. I said to my business partner, I said, look, you were going to walk away from this. I was going to walk away from this with nothing. Why don't we give the business to Tim? Because he'd been working his ass off for us by that point for eight years. And he mm. loved the company. He loved the clients. He was the one that was managing it all anyway. And so we said, let's give him a legacy. Let's not have oh, wow. built this for nothing. And so we exchanged a pound, <laughs> one pound, <laughs> divided it in two. So we both walked away with 50 pence so that there was a physical exchange. And Tim is still, in fact, he he realized that running a business wasn't actually for him. And so he ended up selling the business, but he sold himself with the business. So that business is now flourishing still up in York in the north of England. And, okay. you know, it just to walk away was a very grief ridden time because you at first you feel completely liberated oh my god I've just got my life back oh like what am I gonna do like how am I gonna earn money now and then you have this grieving process where you watch somebody else take the the idea the baby the reins of your baby yeah and it, it became a walking talking living breathing entity that became very successful was changing a lot of lives making millions and you know the, the company that we were walking away from effectively um that would be going through a process of sale was 7.8 million so did we you regret not selling it like in the traditional way did you ever yeah regret we thought <laughs> we thought about all of that but what we really wanted to do was just buy our freedom, buy our peace. What will buy me the most peace? And when we thought about selling it, because we were going through that whole process, when we thought about selling it, the thought of selling out on my clients, I knew the clients were only part of that business because of, of how we were. It was our personal brands. It was our personal identity. They weren't buying the business. They were buying us. And so... Yeah. If we walked away from that, if we sold it, my conscience was, well, hang on. If we sell this, yeah, we walk away with millions of pounds, but then all the clients that are in the business, because we're not part of it, they'll just go anyway. So what are we actually selling? And and I couldn't, I couldn't sleep with that fact. And and I didn't want my clients who had become friends to be feeling like oh, all right okay see you later then thanks very much you know and so Tim was our best option because he was already serving them already loving them and already working with them and it meant that he had a multi-million pound business that he literally was running anyway and he got to 
without even taking a new client on. He was looked after for life as long as all he did was keep looking after the people that were there as well as we were looking after them anyway. So we thought about selling it. We thought all the different options, but in the end, what will buy me the most peace and walking away and giving him a legacy that gave me the most peace. And I it opened up the opportunity Absolutely. for so much else. Wow, there's just so much to say in that. There's just so many different things. I I just, I love the way you look at it all. I love the way you look at life and you, and to me, it, what you're really saying is what is wealth really worth? Because wealth can mean so many things. Wealth, everyone automatically goes financially, but wealth is actually living a wealthy life, living a life full of, what makes your heart sore, what makes you sing, what makes you passionate, what makes you want to jump up and scream in the morning. And yes, money is part of that because money enables (laughs) you to do all those things. But I actually think more often than not, the people what really flourish, what really saw are people who realise it's not about money. It's not all about money wealth is living that lifestyle living that dream is and I and I yeah it's just it it, it isn't it's about going out doing your own thing it's about figuring it out and so I know that you know you've done your own thing and and so um, I was going to actually ask you about the word misfit Oh. <laughs> and then this is something you know because you know technically this is called Esther's Mystics and everything you've just told me I know I know that this is something what's close to your heart so I um, mean how would you describe the word Mystics? Oh uh, me? <laughs> Definitely um me me that's yeah. <laughs> Um, you know, all of the members of my, I, I have a, um, a mastermind that I run every single day, twice a day called ripple makers and, uh, which all comes back from one drop. So that goes back to 2002, that calling was calling me one drop, one drop, one drop. And, um, you know, finally I was brave enough to, to launch it. Um, but you know, I think misfit can mean so many things to so many different people to me. Um, misfit is a positive thing. I remember watching um, Bohemian Rhapsody, the the Queen. Um, yeah, I love the Queen. Queen. Love it. Yeah, 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 yeah. And there's a part in the movie, and I can't, I can't remember it verbatim, but there's a part in the movie where, uh, you know, all four of the Queen band members are sat there, and there's this new music producer that that sits down, and he he basically puts them under pressure and says, "So, what's different about you?" And I love the answer that uh, I can't remember which one of them. Oh, I know this one of them though, says, yeah. Uh, yeah, you probably know this. One of them says, well, because we're we're all misfits and, you know, we we attract we are here. We are all misfits and we are here to serve the misfits. Everybody that, um, you know, is a renegade or that doesn't fit in like we were all born to stand out in our own way. And that's who we attract. So we are the misfits and we attract misfits. And that resonated with me so much. As I say, it wasn't verbatim, but that's what I took from it. And 
Um, you know, and, and I would say that all of my members, all of my mastermind members, they are all misfits, every single one of them. They never fit in. They were on the outs edges, uh, you know, the outskirts of, of conversations. They weren't invited to things. They had to make their own way in life because that was the way that they got by. Um, you know, and it was, I, I suppose for me, it's about standing out. And I think misfits have a quality that people who fit in and blend in and the me 20 years ago that was doing everything to fit in and blend in. Well, I was a misfit, but trying to fit in. And that's a heck of a lot of energy to try to do something when eventually you just say, you know what, I'm just, I'm holding my hands up. Okay, universe, you gave me this walk of life. You gave me this path that I'm meant to be on. I'm obviously meant to do this alone, but that doesn't mean I have to be lonely as I do this. I can surround myself with other people. Oh, I love that. Alone, but not lonely. Yeah. You don't have to be lonely as you go on this journey. And and that's actually and why I created the mastermind because I thought, you know, there's other people out there like me who are doing everything the hard way and they're doing it alone and they're doing it lonely, but they don't, uh, they don't have to be lonely as they do this alone. So solopreneurs that are on a mission to make a big impact and they've got a meaningful message or a meaningful calling in their heart, just because they're going to do that on their own and they're not going to have business partners and then maybe they don't want to have a team. Maybe they, they just want to do this on their own, but they don't have to be lonely as they do it. And so that's I where I absolutely like love that because I just, there's been too much of my journey that I've felt alone and yeah. been lonely and, and, um, and to feel like you belong somewhere, but when you truly belong somewhere, you actually could be yourself. Because yeah. if you're trying to be something else to fit in, you're not, you don't truly belong. No, it because takes a you're lot not of being you. It's just not you. So it's not you belonging, it's just this stranger you're creating. So yeah. to truly belong somewhere, surely is, is a situation where you can just be you good, yeah. bad, ugly, indifferent, yeah. just be who you are. And to learn that's enough. And I think I think that's an ongoing journey for everyone is to go through that. And it's, yeah, yeah. It's, yeah, I think there's a lot of fear as well that can be created by relying on everyone else to create that sense of satisfaction. Like you buy something feeling like that's going to make you feel what you want to feel and then it doesn't. Or you build a business thinking that, you know, all the money that you're going to get from the success of that business, you're going to feel good. And then you create the success of that business and you still don't feel what you're wanting to feel. And for me, it was always, I'm a very feeling person. I'm very kinesthetic and mm. I, I feel my way through life. If it doesn't feel right, I won't do it. If it doesn't feel good, then there's something not right about that. So I'll, you know, I'll back away from it. And so everything for me is about feeling, but when I, did all the things that I thought would make me feel what I wanted to feel like I belonged, like I was worthy, like I stood for something, like my life freaking stood for something. Like when I leave here, I'm actually going to leave a footprint on the planet. I want to create a ripple effect with my one drop. I want my one drop to stand for something. And so, you know, when I didn't feel those things, 
what I ultimately learned by walking away from it all was I've been doing everything for everyone else and now it's time I did something that really fulfilled me that also helps others to be fulfilled so what can I create I suppose it's like the ikigai principle what do I love what do I enjoy what am I passionate about that the world needs that someone wants to pay for and I thought you know I'm just gonna I'm full of resources I'm full of um, tools and knowledge I know what I'll do I'll create the world's largest brand building resource for entrepreneurs of purpose-driven businesses I'll just do that. And so I get to create all day. And that's what I did. And I ended up creating the world's largest brand building resource for, for purpose-driven entrepreneurs and, and change makers. And that took me all over the world. I've been on documentaries. I've done lots of fundraising. We've raised hundreds of thousands for charity. Uh, I created uh, Ripple Fest. So we run Ripple Fest at the end of every month. And we all of the ticket sales for Ripple Fest, 100% of that goes to charity. And so the actual giving back and writing, you know, eight books. I'm just about to publish my ninth book, One Year No Fear. Wow. And and for me, it's it is about living fearlessly, living courageously, living in a way that you were born to serve and you were born with the gift. And if you're in flow with the gift and you're listening to the calling and you create that meaningful message and that meaningful movement within you that wants to move out and help someone else to move in their life. Well, the way I see it is if I can support 22,000 change makers to move their people to action over the next 12 months. Wow, that's going to leave such a ripple effect. Yeah, that is that right there. And that right there is your legacy. Totally. Because it is just what you've given and how they pass it on. And they, yeah. and, 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 and it is a lovely thought. It will be passed on way beyond yeah. us, way beyond. Um, and I know, I mean, I think that leads into something very nicely I want to ask you just before we finish up, is I know you do a lot of work with contribution and working for, um, you know, what's, tell us a bit about that. What, what are the contributions you, I know you help others fill their soul, but what are the ones you personally are feeling and working yeah. on? Yeah, yeah. Um, I am a real investor in people. Uh, I love to see people thrive. I, I love to see lives liberated. And there are three main charities that we support through the work we do. But when we run, um, so 30% of everything that comes in via one drop goes to charity. And um, and a hundred percent of Ripple Fest tickets goes to charity. So the speakers that come and speak. So I bring people that I've stood on big stages with that I've been on documentaries with that I've collaborated with and partnered with and and done lots of things with I bring three of those change makers every month to run three 90 minute workshops at the the last week of every month and so I ask them what charities do they want us to support and so they get to nominate the charities but oh, the nice. charities that really um speak to me you know I'm a water baby I'm an Aquarius I live on a boat on the water. I love swimming. You know, like every day we're at the spa, we're, we're swimming every day. And for me, things to do with water, you know, we, we are 
70% water. Our planet is 70% water. Uh, you know, everything that helps us to flow, our bodies, everything around us involve water. And so for me, it's really important, clean water for everyone. Mm -hmm. So when you look at the UN global goals, uh, there's really well, there's seven <laughs> of the global goals that I'm really passionate about. But there's two that are my top priority. The first one is actually number 17 in the UN global goals. I find it crazy that it's number 17. I think it should be number one um, is partnerships, partnerships for the goal, because I believe that through partnerships, that's how one drop started through partnerships. We can achieve everything. So you could wipe all of those other global goals off the planet just by partnering and collaborating. So I believe it should be number one, not number 17. Anyway, uh, partnerships is really important to me. And so I've partnered with lots of my ripple makers, actually. So one of my ripple makers, um, Nikki Piper, um, I said, we need a journal. We need a one drop journal. So we partnered. She makes journals. And so 50 percent of every sale goes to Nikki. So it helps her small business. And it helps us to help others to create their ripple of impact. So uh, my mum, she makes the one drop. She's got a glass fusing um, oh, and, uh, workshop over in France, which she does that as a hobby anyway. And so I said, I need a million of these one drops. I need you to make me some one drops. And so she makes all the one drops. She gets 50% of every sale. 50%. So these all for sale, the books, the one drops, yeah. could anyone yeah. buy them? Yeah, if you go to onedropmovement.com, you can go to the one drop shop. <laughs> you can okay, find... <laughs> we've now got one drop mugs, we've got one drop all kinds of things. And um, I love and so the idea of huge glass one drop. Just, I guess my mum was the same glass artist. So I grew up. Yeah. Kind of. Yeah. Yeah. World. Yeah. So... Well, I think it's important, you know, and I, I wanted a symbol, something that everyone could wear. So whether it's, um, you know, wearing a one drop or we've got one drop earrings now, we've got one drop charm bracelets, one drop prayer beads. We've got one drop, so many different things, um, uh, one drop lapel pins, key rings, all kinds of stuff. My mum makes them all. And um, so she's a part of the one drop movement as well. Uh, we've so got did you partner with your mum as well? Yeah, so yep, she yep, is so. the number person you partnered Absolutely. With. My daughter, um, actually, you can't see it because it's on the wall uh, over there. Um, Jack Canfield ordered a, a one drop for him and his wife, Inga. And I uh, I thought to myself, God, you know, I can't just send because at that point, I mean, it was a bit of a cottage industry at that point. I had the packaging and everything for the one drops, but I was putting little notes in handwritten notes for every sale that went through. And so I've got to send this one drop set to to jack and i sat here one morning thinking oh well, i can't as i was journaling i thought i can't send him just a little post-it note i need to do something proper you know and I, as i was thinking about it my attention went to a painting on the wall that my daughter one of my daughters painted for me of a one drop and so i thought i know i'll create a card <laughs> I'll create a, a gratitude card and I'll send that. And so as a designer, I created it. I took a picture of the one drop and I put it on the front of the card. And so now we also have gratitude cards that people buy them and they send them out with, you know, sales and when their customers. Yeah. And so, um, so they're, they're blank inside, but um, my daughter, Jennifer Garrity, she, um, 
she gets 50% of all the sales. So it helps a young artist. So everything that we do, it's about partnerships. It's about collaboration. Together, we are the ocean. And so it gives back to them gives into our company and um and it means that we get to to be a contribution based business and we get to serve and there's nothing like that feeling of sending that contribution over to that charity knowing that it's going to make a difference knowing that it's going to reach the lives on the other end so we support all kinds of charity we've we've supported thousands of charities now and um you know, because of Ripple Fest, we're, we're just about at the end of this month, at the time of making this, we're about to have Ripple Fest 32 or 33. So 33 months in a row, we've been raising money for different and charities. And is it all online or is it you come yeah. together in person? Or? Yeah, no, it's all on Zoom. So um, we run it live on Zoom and, um, you know, it's uh, we, we match the Ripple Fest uh, program for this year with the one year no fear program that we're running which is a a brand visibility program to get out there and reach more customers move through the fear don't try and ignore it and certainly don't try and get rid of it because it will always be there and having fear is healthy it's just unhealthy if it becomes unmanageable and so we have strategies my husband's a hypnotherapist so we launched that program together because we've got brand builders and ripple makers who get to the point of creating and making this amazing thing and then they go to launch it and then fear sneaks up and then they play smaller they play alone and they don't collaborate and then they start to withdraw and then they start to get lonely and create that same momentum that they've created their entire life and Greg and I want to change that so we created the one year no fear program to solve that problem and um, and to support people as they feel the fear it's like we support them with that through hypnotherapy and other different modalities I, I mean I love the idea of using alternative yeah. um options to yeah. treat someone not yeah. just I mean it's, it's too many people who just go ignore it or drugs or yeah. you know there's too many people what don't look at it and the, yeah and yeah yeah no I love the idea we've been, of we've been through all of that so yeah learning how to I mean anyone who believes that you could get fear out of your life is kidding themselves yeah. it's just not <laughs> well we need it it's healthy to have it yeah yeah I mean like I mean yeah yeah so you do I agree you do need it you need to control it I mean from the journey I've been on just in the last couple of years I mean obviously so many people say to me oh you seem to be happy that you've lost your leg you seem to be fine with it you don't seem to have any issue you seem to be you have no idea if you honestly believe that if you honestly believe I'd give up my independence to be dependent you you, you honestly believe even if it's just dependent on a wheelchair or depend (laughs) this is quite funny my PA actually the other day accidentally took my leg home with her it was in the back (laughs) of the car she took out the leg over her and she was like really apologetic for that day I hadn't even noticed I hadn't even noticed it was missing but she gave me really apologetic and I was like (laughs) how hysterical is that that someone could take your leg for 24 hours and you don't even notice oh that's so funny that's so funny 
Anyway, uh, we're kind of coming up to our time. It's been so lovely talking to you. I really enjoyed it. Thank you so much for coming and hanging out with me today. Oh, you're so um, is welcome. there any last words you want to send us off with? Yeah, absolutely. I I'll channel into this. You were born to make a ripple. Do not try and create the ocean all in one go. Step up, stand out in your individuality as the freaking awesome, amazing misfit that you are and embrace it. Enjoy it. Be at peace with the fact that you are a misfit. You were born this way and you were born to do what you're doing. You were made for this moment. You were born to create a ripple of impact. You don't need to make the wave. You just need to focus on what that ripple of impact is in front of you. And the ocean is made up of many little one drops. And you are one of those one drops. Imagine what would happen if you embraced the one drop that you are, that one identity. And you just focused on that ripple of impact that you can make that's right in front of you. At the end of your life, you'll be able to look back and see all of the ripples of impact that you made and be proud of the life that you lived. So make that ripple of impact today that you were born to make and then let go. <laughs> let go and watch the ripples grow. It's been a real honor and pleasure to be here with you today. And if you, um, if you want to find out more, go to onedropmovement.com. Wow. Wow, that's just incredible. Thank you so, so, so much. Okay. I'm not going to even say anything else. I'm just going to leave it there. Thank you, honey. Oh, you're so welcome. <laughs>